Hey everyone, Kevin here back with the Repair Crew Podcast. We have episode number five dropping today, which is going to feature John Bridgewater from Doral's Auto Repair in San Leandro, California. This is an East Bay shop. John's done a ton of interviews. He has so many certifications and a wealth of expertise within the auto repair market. He has a very optimistic opinion of what things in the East Bay area are going to look like for him this year. Obviously, a lot of challenges over the last several years with the pandemic, with the rising cost of living, especially in California and Northern California, for that matter. But John has a really unique perspective in that anytime there's a downturn, auto repair typically excels. So we'll listen to a little bit of that. We'll also talk about some of his tech stack that he's currently utilizing and what he's looking forward to in 2023. So excited for you to give a listen to episode five of the Repair Crew featuring John Bridgewater. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. This is Kevin again. Uh, We have Mike, our uh, co-host, who's joined us on a couple of these episodes now. And uh, the guest of honor, at least for this time around, is John Bridgewater. John, thanks for joining us today for a quick conversation on the podcast. Why don't you give everybody just a little bit of background, who you are, uh, your shop, you know, some of the maybe a little bit of the history there as well, because I think people always like to sort of hear, you know, where's the experience coming from? But I'll kind of kick it to you first to, to give a little bit of an overview. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I've uh, I've owned my shop. Uh, first shop I bought at the beginning of two thousand fifteen. Bought a second one in the middle of two thousand nineteen, just in time for COVID to come along. Six nine months later, um, closed the first shop about a year and a quarter ago because I couldn't staff it well enough. So I decided I'd keep the second shop running. It's bigger, brighter, more beautiful. Um, uh, people seem to like working here. I enjoy coming to work every day. Our clients love coming to us. Um, I want to go a little bit further back. I got into the business in 1987 as a technician working for a chain, local California chain. Um, loved what I did. Always wanted to do drivability and diagnostics. Over the years, I got my smog license, then my land and brake licenses. Um, currently hold, I believe, 48 ASE certifications. Um, and I also do some uh, technical training all around the country, at least when COVID is not in place. Um, since COVID came, uh, that seems to have kind of fallen by the wayside, but I think it's coming back pretty soon. Yeah, we had a thank you for that, by the way. We had a really good conversation with another shop owner yesterday uh, just around networking and how important it's been for him to get out and about, visit other shops, see what they're doing. Tell us a little bit about your experience on the training side of things. Obviously, I think the pandemic has sort of restricted and you know given us all a little bit of scar tissue there uh, in more ways than one. But uh, tell us a little bit about the experience there and working with some of the other shop owners. Um, that's a ton of certifications, so you have a lot of experience to kind of put out there. But uh, what's that? What's that whole process been like? Well, the training for me has always been uh, my passion. I was given an opportunity, unexpectedly given an opportunity several years ago to give it a try. And I found out that I really, really like um, sharing my knowledge and skills with others and helping others to become better at what they do. <coughs> um, for me, the reward is the aha moments. You know, I, I don't need to be in the limelight. I don't need to be recognized. I like to see other people get it when I'm explaining something. And so when I have those moments, that's a win for me. Uh, as far as trading goes, um, since COVID has come into place, Nobody wants to do live training, so it's all Zoom and online and et cetera, and it's it's not the same. Um, yeah. As as a trainer on Zoom, um, you 
you know, as a trainer, I think in general, you rely on uh, the visual cues and the feedback from your audience. And when you're on Zoom, you get these little teeny tiny boxes all over your screen and you're not getting that feedback you need to really, to really run a phenomenal class. Yeah. Agreed. So uh, just getting back to some of the training stuff that you had mentioned, you know, it, it's interesting because we've worked with a lot of shops before that have actually attended a lot of the training sessions. Now there's technical training, there's software training. Um, I, I'm not sure if you've ever, uh, I know some of the systems that you use, but did you ever attend any of the on-site trainings that's for say, like I think Protractor used to do and AMS used to do on-site trainings in North Carolina, where they would actually go through the software um, they had to do the same thing where they had to pivot to more of a virtual environment and exact same feedback that you're giving the cues, uh, you know, the, the responses, the engagement, it's all just a lot softer than what it used to be. So um, do you see that going back to in-person? Do you think that we're just all in this, you know, sort of zoom zone now where it's not going, you know, we can't really peel back, um, you know, anymore, or what do you kind of see that future potentially being, especially as, you know, you think about your future as a trainer? I think there is no substitute for live instructor-led training. And I think that it will come back. I've been hearing a lot of cries for it. People saying, hey, I want this back. I want this back. Uh, but it's going to be a slow process because COVID, of course, still is around and isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So, you know, there's yeah. there's people afraid of of the uh, the possibility of getting a whole room sick. So, uh, yeah, as Mike and I just came back from SEMA. Well, I did, Mike. Uh, we've talked about this before. Mike was supposed to go and he unfortunately right. uh, couldn't at the very last minute. But uh, we brought a you know group of 50 people to SEMA, came back and then realized, oh, yeah, that was probably a super spreader. And, uh, <laughs> right. you know, about 10 of those people ended up tested positive and got sick uh, in the time since then. They're all better now, which is good. But yeah, definitely always throws a bit of a wrench into everything is, you know, when you're starting to talk about getting people back in person, but at least we have the ability to do that, right? Um, right. I, I've been sending some of the people that we work with on site to do trainings and installs. So it's coming back slowly, but I think we sort of learned a lot of lessons in that period where it was just Zoom only and we literally could not be with each other. Yeah. So that's good that there's sort of, you know, a positive outlook on the future because you're exactly right. We cannot beat the face-to-face, -face, the, you know, the... Uh, you know, in person, whether it's tutorials or training or coaching or consulting. Um, so that's good to see that there's at least a, a bit of an optimistic outlook on there, but obviously with the same sort of restrictions put in place that we might have seen, um, you know, a couple of years ago that have at least been softened or listened a little right. bit. So, so just pivoting away from that a little bit, you know, I'm interested to hear about the market that you're in um, and sort of what the concentration of your business is. You know, there's general repair. We were talking to a, a shop the other day that has been, you know, really increasing the percentage of tires that they've been doing for services. Um, so I'm just kind of interested to see what the market mix is for you right now for what customers are requesting, um, just because it seems that there's been a shift either from, you know, specialty services to more general repair. Um, you know, you look at like transmission shops, those don't really exist anymore. Everything's sort of coming internally. So tell us a little bit about the market that you that you operate in and what customers are coming to you most for service. Well, we're, we're, oh boy, where do I start? Um, we are in the East Bay area of California and yep. it's, it's probably one of the most expensive markets in the country. I would say right on par with San Francisco, Silicon Valley, New York city, places like that. Um, I have no problem charging what it is that I need to charge, be able to stay in business and pay the rent and everything else here. Uh, we're, we are seeing, uh, probably in large part due to the advertising I'm putting out there, we're seeing a lot of drivability 
performance issues, check engine lights, things like that, which, um, which is good, but it's also one of the more difficult aspects of auto repair. Um, I'd love it if we could shift to more nuts and bolts and maintenance. And part of what we do certainly is asking for all that and doing a good inspection using auto vitals and providing a 62 point inspection on every car that comes through the door to, uh, to be able to be transparent with our clients that, Hey, here's the condition of your car. Here are the things we found broken. Now here's what it came in for. Here's the other things, you know, for maintenance. And we've checked against Carfax and done everything we can to, to make sure that we're not recommending things that have already been done. Um, but our, our shop, like I was saying, is largely diagnostics. We've got some really great uh, engine performance technicians here, uh, myself included, of course, when I need to, but I don't really want to be out in the shop anymore. I have other places that are, that are more important for me as an owner. Um, but she's uh, um, lots of diesels, check-in lights, airbag lights. Um, my car does this funny thing once every three months. <laughs> That kind of stuff. Yeah, the the, the mystery box. Uh, yeah, in, yeah. In a lot of cases, what yeah. is what has helped you? You know, I, I think we have so many owners that we talk to that are um, owner operators that are in the shop that are you know turning their own wrenches. Mm-hmm. What's been one of the biggest things for you to try and keep yourself out of there? Has it been more uh, adding software to the mix to allow you to manage remotely or manage your techs? Is it just more business processes? Is it maybe a combination of both? combination of both. Um, I do have software that allows me to be anywhere in the world and I can check in and see um, cameras for the shop if I need to. Uh, I've got Protractor and Autovitals, both of which give me great back-end control. Um, Let's see, what else do I do? Uh, Processes. Processes are everything. You've got to have the way that you do, the way that you do things has to be consistent, consistent and predictable. And that when when you can become consistent, which is no easy feat, I still haven't succeeded. But it, when you can become con, con, uh, consistent, uh, everything flows more smooth, smoothly because now everybody has their expectations and they they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Um, like I said, I haven't gotten there yet. It's a work in progress. It's always a work in progress. Uh, you have to have the right people for the positions. You also can't design the position for the person that's currently in there. You have to have the position stand on its own and then train the person in the position to to do the things that you want them to do in that position yeah nothing's i don't think anything is turnkey uh you know when it comes to that whether it's you know putting a new piece of software in and all of a sudden you have to go through training putting a new diagnostic you know if it's a scan tool or whatever else and having to do training on that but then also how does that interact and function with some of the other pieces of software that you have so yeah, I don't think that there's any circumstance where there is a silver bullet, um, you know, where it where it just kills everything. But yeah, Mike, what you're gonna you're gonna yeah, I gotta, have a I gotta share there. share a story on that topic. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know, probably what uh, two three years ago or something, John. I I, I was we went to Vision, and the share everybody knows like kind of the Sheridan Bar restaurant. And, um, I'm walking, I think I had to pick up a bag or something in my room, but I'm, I'm walking and in the middle of the restaurant, I see somebody, you see the top of the head with, I don't know, 13, 14 inch monitor and then a laptop <laughs> to the right of that. Mm-hmm. And then I, and I looked, I was like, what? It's right in the middle of the restaurant. I'm like, what? Oh, that's John Bridgewater. That was I this go, year. John, what, are you, what are you doing? He goes, I'm writing service. I'm like, what? <laughs> that was a pretty cool moment right there. Yeah. I, I had, uh, I had my, my my instructor's laptop actually is my travel travel setup 
And um, I, I was there, I was writing service. I was, uh, I wasn't selling, but I was writing the service tickets in, in my shop. We have uh, an estimator position and the guy who was in that position had left like two weeks before vision. So I hadn't been able to fill it. So I was doing the job myself from vision. And it was very serendipitous because when I signed up for vision, I intentionally didn't take any classes because I wanted it to be a social experience for me, not a, mm. not a run, run, run training experience. Mm-hmm. And so it just happened to work out really well that I had nothing to do the entire day. So I could spend the whole day writing service from halfway across the country. <laughs> Remote well, enablements. Um, <laughs> sure. If you think about anything else, that's, that's great. Has that, so talk about, you know, you had mentioned protractor auto vitals, you know, what's the, what are, I'm not sure if, if there's anything else that you want to put in there, but um, sort of the software mix in the shop, you know, what are some of the key takeaways that you found just having gone through, you know, different phases of it? We we talked to somebody a, a few days ago where, um, gosh, I, I'm trying to remember, but I think he said that he had like 25 different pieces of software that were used throughout the shop, whether it was scan tool, point of sale, shop management, payment processing, DVI, CRM, yeah. right? All of it sort of daisy chains. Um, stacks, you know what? Right? Yeah, all the the entire stack. I mean, what what is what was that install? What was that search and destroy or search and install? Maybe is the better way to put it. <laughs> process for you because there's so much out there, right? So how do you even how do you even start? Like where do you even where do you even sort of dip your toe into to kind of figure out where you're gonna where you're gonna begin that process? Well, thank goodness we've got lots of social media now. You know, 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't what it is now. So we have a, an enormous, like almost an overwhelming abundance of information available to us to hopefully effectively research and decide what's going to work best each for our own businesses. Um, back when I bought my first shop eight years ago, they already had RO Writer in there. And so I just sort of accepted it. I'm like, okay, well, here, here's this software. Let's see what it can do. And frankly, the, the particular version I had was a very, very stable version. But when I started started going, uh, I knew I was going to go multi-shop, but I needed some online and stuff like that. I found out the new version of Aura Writer uh, was super unstable. So I got away from that. And uh, I had already gone with Auto Vitals at that point. And we were so heavily invested in getting it set up that one of my criteria was to find some shop management software that works well with Auto Vitals, which is how I ended up with Protractor. Um. If I had to do it again, I don't know. Um, I might make some different decisions, but one thing I love about Protractor is that it's got extremely good reporting and it's it's from an accountant standpoint, um, it's accurate. Whereas there are some other softwares out there mm-hmm. that I don't have personal experience, but what, I, what mm-hmm. I'm hearing is they're easier to work with, but they're also a bit more nebulous. Um, and I tend to be um, rather precise on the things that I try to do. So mm-hmm. Protractor allows me to do that to as much or little degree as I want to. And I've created some very complex systems mm-hmm. that give us uh, uh, a better picture of what's going on and a better ability to communicate with our clients um, all the things we found on all the different levels and keep records of when things have been done, not only by us, but by other shops as well. Attention to detail, um, the, the devil's in the details, right? I, I can't tell you how many people we've talked to that said, you know, it's it's kind of like the Shark Tank thing, know your numbers, right? Yep. If, you're, yep. if you can't trust your own numbers, um, you know, whether they're coming from internal systems or, you know, partners that you work with, there's obviously going to be a, a major issue there in terms of how you're reporting, not only from a taxes standpoint, but also how you're paying your technicians. And there's there's a whole bunch that potentially rolls into that 
Um, just curious as well, you know, when you when we talk about the people that are in your shop that are also using the software, what is their primary mode? Are they using desktops? Are they using tablets? You know, I'm I'm sure you have a a uh, collection of individuals that have different roles from mm-hmm. advisors to techs and you know everything in between. But what's kind of their flavor in terms of using Dev or or what do you mandate within the the shop from an owner standpoint? Well, service advisors, uh, which includes myself, I've got two service advisors, a CSR and myself, who may or may not be working the front desk. And all four of us have tablets and desktop interfaces. Um, Protractor, of course, works on the desktop. There, there is an inspection section that we're not using because we went with auto vitals instead. Um, so the, the front office people have the desktops for doing most of their work and then the tablets so they can go out and take the intake pictures, for example. Uh, I have a certain group of pictures that's required before the car even goes into the shop. And that's both for our protection and the client's protection so that we know the condition of this car before it arrives. Uh, the technicians only have tablets. They do have desktops that they can work from also if they're trying to do some research or whatever. And, and they do have access to um, our workflow management through AutoVitals as well from the desktops. But 95% of what the technicians do is tablet. Uh, they take all their notes. They they take mm-hmm. pictures of things that are broken or things that are good. Um, they, they do their complete write-up of each service they perform right there on the tablet. Yeah. It's a mobile-enabled world. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, not only mobile, but also cloud access, you know, basically the ability to kind of do your job from multiple devices, from multiple areas. I mean, certainly the techs are going to be in the shop, but we'd also probably don't want them tethered to a desktop, which is kind of what the, you know, the previous software and the previous machine sort of mandated was, right. you know, you had to go back and forth. Um, just, just curious too, like, you know, as you're working with a, a shop management system, a DVI, um, you know, what is what does that potential future look like for you as you're going to more conferences? Is there anything that you've been interested in from a product standpoint going forward that might make a good addition to that stack um, that Mike had mentioned before? Well, um, <laughs> and and not by, I'm just thinking process yeah, wise too, not name wise, because there's a lot of names out there, right? I'm just is. thinking like, you know, we've talked to so many people that they've got their their POS, their DVI, their payment processing, that is dialed in. And that's that's money collection, right? Like straight yeah. up. Yeah. Um, but they they admitted they're like, I'd love to get more into um, customer campaigns. So doing a CRM yeah. or doing some more website or doing some more advertising, but I just either don't have the time or the expertise. And yeah, I think it's also hard too, because you have a lot of different um, providers you can potentially work with um, from the digital side of things. So yeah. that's just one example, but, you know, just sort of... Um, um, you know, g- generically, is there anything that, that you'd be interested in to add to that stack? Yeah. My advertising guy I've been after for years, asking him to pinpoint my advertising in such a way that I'm not putting my name out there and then seeing what sticks, see who comes back in. I want my advertising done in such a way that it's going to the people that are most likely going to value what it is that I do. Right now, I get a lot of phone calls that are how much, or can you give me a quote or, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that don't know what else to ask. So they start the conversation with how much, then that's a, that's a pretty common way of doing it. But what we're finding is that when we have broad advertising like that, we're spending a lot of money for those phone calls that may not necessarily be fruitful. So I'm, I, if somebody can show me a way that my advertising can be absolutely pinpointed that I want this demographic, but not that demographic, and then make sure that the the demographics I don't want don't come to me. That would be awesome. Nobody's been able to do it yet. 
Interesting. I, we we've seen some some interesting targeted marketing. Um, you know, I I've done a lot of work more on the franchise side of things. Um, you know, before I came into aftermarket a few years ago, and um, that definitely was the case. They were doing far more targeted marketing. You know, mm-hmm. whether and you know you could do everything based on demographics to household income to you know zip code to region. There's a lot of really interesting things out there. So. I'd be curious to know, and and I'm not sure that I have the answer, but you know, just to know if there's a provider out there that's sort of on that cutting edge that's providing that type of service or potentially could, because it, the technology exists. But to your point, like who's bringing it to the table? Because yeah. um, I haven't seen it so far. And then also the tie-in to how is digital working with all the other components? Um, you know, we we saw an integration the other day where. Um, the the digital provider was bringing in RO data and revenue data from the shop management system or the POS, and they were actually mm-hmm. attaching it to advertising dollars. So it was kind of an ROI reporting. But mm-hmm. it is interesting to see as these stacks keep building and building and building what the actual seamless integrations can be. Because in most cases, it's just like, here's a bundle, here's some pricing, these are two products, we like each other, done, right? But there's not right. actually a, an efficiency factor to it. Um, so that that future, you know, that you're that we're looking at, I'm I'm hoping that part of it includes, you know, more of that um, sort of convergence of of what mm-hmm. those systems are. So it'll be interesting to see. But Mike, I know you've been, you know, you've been to a lot of shows recently. What have you seen from a you know partnership combination or or integration standpoint that sort of interests you? I mean, I, John's a good example of all of this. I I know known John since the right days, John, when you were at right. And mm-hmm. it's a pretty cool story because it was right around the corner from my daughter's old school. Um, and I just stopped in there and we just kind of established a, a relationship, but I got a chance to know John and those stacks that you're talking about. I mean, I, I remember, you know, auto vitals to Kikui and then back to auto vitals on certain things. Right. So, you know, John is, is a good example of that, Kevin, you know, he's somebody that's willing to sort of test things out. I consider John ahead of the curve when it comes to stuff like this. And then to see, you know, you transition, I remember going to, uh, Doral's, um, a grand opening party. John, remember that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, when uh, Roy, um, he retired and then kind of, kind of passed the baton over to you and you took over Doral's and, and it's an awesome shop. And then same thing, the way it's set up with all those stacks, it's uh, it's phenomenal for sure. Uh, John. So I applaud you for just, you know, just w- willing to sort of look and see what's out there going mm-hmm. out on the road, looking at these shows, you're somebody that always stays ahead of the curve when it comes to anything, you know, bright and shiny, anything new coming out. So that's, you know, one of the, one of the examples that I would probably give Cap. Yeah, that that's great. And, and obviously you invited John here. So I would assume that that's uh, <laughs> part of the, part of the deal, right. Is, right. Uh, you know, we want the the folks that, you know, have the, the tidbits that we feel like can at least spark, you know, a thought with some of our audience and, hopefully get them thinking about their software, how they're using it, you know, how they're working with providers because there's so many accountability issues out yeah. there, you know, as well. Um, John gave a great example of, I've been trying to get hold of my advertising person forever to get them to, you know, at least mm-hmm. acknowledge this or come up with a solution and, and it has yet to happen. So I think there's a lot of that out there with people that are just, just sort of grasping at straws and, and trying to figure out exactly how to get those things working in their shop. So I won't keep you too much longer, John, because, you know, we try to keep these things short, but sure. I was just going to ask you, what does the next year look like for you? Uh, you know, if you look at 2023, um, you know, expansion of services, we already talked a little bit about software, you know, what are your, what what are your plans for, you know, you don't have to share anything obviously in detail, but just curious, you know, whereas we're now, what, basically kind of a year-ish, maybe a little bit in some post, you know, true pandemic, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've probably seen more customers getting 
um, you know, getting comfortable coming back into the shop and doing payments at the terminal and, you know, all that stuff. But what, what do you think, uh, you know, the next 12 months looks like for you just in, in a high level perspective? I think 2023 is going to be very interesting. I think there's uh, a lot of economic unrest in not only country, but the world. Um, so who knows what that's going to bring? The, the comfort that I find in that, though, is that being in the independent aftermarket uh, auto repair, you know, used car maintenance, um, we have an advantage because when the economy tanks, people need their cars to be on the road and they're not buying new ones. <clears throat> and yes, we need to be sensitive to their, to their financial needs and make solid recommendations that, Hey, you know, you need this right now. You need this later, you know, et cetera, whatever the, whatever the recommendation is, but to be very frank with our clients and let them know, uh, here's how you can keep this car on the road rather than having to go buy another one. So I see that coming. Um, process development also, of course, is a huge thing for me. Uh, constantly trying to develop processes. I know this year, uh, it actually started just about when Mike and I were at Vision. Um, because I started writing my estimates instead of having somebody else do them, I was really able to get in and, and uh, fine tune how I want them done. And I've made a ton of changes since then. Um, I think all for the better, but it is tedious and time consuming. But I, I think the result, uh, the desired result anyway, um, will speak for itself. Uh, it, it already is, but I, I think refinement of that's going to be better. Um, potentially expansion. Uh, I have a dream. I don't know if I'm quite ready for that yet, though. I'm, I'm uh, trying to make sure, like I said earlier, processes. I'm trying to make sure that my processes are perfect so that they can be reproduced across multiple occasions. So that's see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the good mentality to go into the new year with. And, you know, there's some flexibility there, but also I think the focus on, you know, solidifying those processes, they can be replicated. If you do decide to expand, you know, is going to be vital, obviously, to your business and, and everybody else that we talk to as well. So mm-hmm. want to thank you for your time, John. Mike, thanks for making the introduction. Uh, we'll cap it here for right now. And uh, we're interested to see what John's going to be doing over the next year. Me too. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thanks. I'll I'll see you this weekend. I just love that John brings in his decades of experience to have these conversations. You probably saw him recently on an episode of Remarkable Results Radio. And that's exactly the type of passion, experience, and interest that he brings into these conversations. You can catch John at pretty much every summit conference or expo that happens during the year. You can reach out to him directly on LinkedIn. You can reach out to him through our podcast as well. But he just always brings a unique perspective to the different technology integrations and just generally where the market is headed, at least from his opinion. So we thank John for joining up with us today. We thank you for listening in to episode five of the Repair Crew podcast. And we'll be back shortly with a new episode. Thanks.